everybody, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, and wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Ruth Ezel. She is a senior producer at Nine Network Public Media, where she produces feature magazine shows, Living St. Louis, and Arts America. And you are also quite the St. Louis institution, ma'am. Uh, that kind of makes me feel ancient you no know? but i have here, not but, ancient you you have been here and made great strides in in our community right don't i get to say that about yeah, you you get to say that and i should be gracious and say thank you so much <laughs> but all i can think of right now is when young people come up to me and say i grew up listening to you <laughs> Then I feel like something out of the ice age. <laughs> well, unfortunately, we all do age. Yeah, we do. But you're aging quite well, ma'am. Oh, so hey, please. I'm working on it. <laughs> so I'm super honored to have you here well, today. It, it's a pleasure to be on. I mean, we've we've chatted before. We have. And the roles were reversed. Yes. So I owe you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and that was so much fun. For that was such a I was I was very honored to be interviewed last year by you. And we talked about John O'Leary, yes. who was going to be on our TEDx stage. Who He did a fabulous job, by the way. Of course, he always does. Yes, he is but an amazing guy. He is an inspiration, is he, he is. not? So tell me about your whole experience of working with him. Oh, let's see. And I'm trying to remember the first I had heard about him, his publicist had written me. Okay. And uh, it just sounded like his story had all the makings of a good living St. Louis profile. So... When I met him, you know, it's very interesting because even though he talks about, you know, how he overcame his disability, you don't see it when you see him. All you see is this warm heart and this big smile and just this warmth, you know, this caring. Well, and that's it's true. You see the inside. That's what you see. You see. And you know what I, so just so our listeners know what we're talking about. So mm-hmm. here's a John O'Leary, went very young, uh, was playing with fire, literally, yep. and ended up with burns over 99% of his body yep, he and was survived seven, it. Exactly. He was about seven, I think it was. Yeah. And he was not expected to live. No, not. And did. And had amazing people that, you know, like mentored him a bit and he, you know, the right people came into his life. And of course, he's an extremely resilient person, obviously, to have gone where he's gone. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting because when I met him, I felt the same way. I, his eyes yes. were so like, it was just, it's almost like you didn't notice anything else but his eyes. Because mm-hmm. in his, and it, there was just so much there that you were like, wow, wow. Yeah, I mean, you are, you're, you're speechless. And when you're finished talking to him, it's like, how can I complain about my my issues and my problems? Because I guess it's really relative, isn't it? Well, yeah, and it, and it, it says a lot for human beings, and, and hence one of the reasons why he is so inspirational, because, you know, we all go through our stuff. Yeah. You, you don't get out of here with out going through stuff and mm-hmm. and um and you have choices when you're going through that you know you have choices to either just lay down and give up and be like I'm done I can't that happened and I can't do it or to pick yourself up and say all right well I still have a lot of life in me yeah. and and I can get through all this and I can live my life in a in a bigger way which he has obviously done obviously and I think when to have that mindset you just you cannot blame circumstances. You cannot blame other people. Right. We may not be able to control 
things that happen to us, but we can certainly control our reaction to them. Exactly. So, yeah, that's exactly. My motto. No, and it's perfect. That is that is such a way to live your life because yeah, you you we don't have control. People are going to do stuff that we're like, really, yeah. <laughs> please, yeah. you know. But how you how you how you work your life, how you go through your life, that's that's within your control and how, your attitude toward things. Oh, totally. And I really think it shows on your face. I mean, I have seen people who are like maybe 10, 20 years younger than me, and they kind of look like Dorian Gray's portrait, if you oh, know what I mean. Oh, gosh. And I know it's those toxic emotions. I, I think they do a physical number on you. Oh, absolutely. Without doubt. I mean, you, you talk to people that... Um, like massage therapist, as an example, they mm-hmm. will tell you that they can be massaging someone and they can feel something, and all of a sudden the person is crying, yeah. and they are le- they are literally releasing an emotion. Mm-hmm. So you know, emotions have a physical impact on us. Oh yeah, I have no doubt. The mind body connection. I think we're just beginning to learn the extent of the connection between your thoughts. And your physical being and your spiritual being. Right, right. Ooh, you're my kind of person, Ruth. (laughs) This is how I think. So tell me about Living St. Louis. I mean, tell me about that, you know, you find these stories and, I mean, do you find them? Do people bring them to you? Is it just a little collaboration or a little bit of both? It's a little bit of everything. Um, And I've got to say right off the top, I've never, ever, in the 12 years I've been working on that show— said, oh, I wonder what I'm going to do next. Because there's always something else right, to do next. Right, right. And I do come up with a lot of stuff on my own. I have friends will give me ideas. I'll get emails. I'll get news releases. I'll get all sorts of things. And there's a lot of things that just don't fit. Or maybe there's a story that's an interesting story, but because I work in TV, I need visuals. Got yeah. And And there are stories that just like they make great magazine articles. Ah, uh, right. Shows. That makes so sense. So that's one of the elements that I have to look at. It's like, okay, how do I visualize this story from my audience? Um, I can have the best interview in the world, but unless we format something specifically as a talking heads interview, then, and actually, you know, now that you mention it, I, I'll just go ahead and mention this on the podcast. On our show, one of the things we're considering, because we're always looking at ways to not only tell a good story, but to be able to do it more efficiently. Right. Because, I mean, I, we work for a nonprofit, and resources are always an I issue. I know all about you that. Know? Not for, you know about I that. know about yeah. this, yes. So we're thinking, well, maybe, maybe we could just do some talking head interviews with a couple of pictures thrown in. We're, and so we're going to experiment with that. Ooh, cool. A little bit. Um, and uh, if you don't mind me promoting this. Um, no, I don't at all. Uh, a fabulous uh, performer, singer, humanitarian, soprano, Christine Brewer. Um, I did a half-hour special on her probably, I want to say, around 2008. Uh, And we had another conversation because she was in town to do an opera because she did the operatic version of Doubt. Okay. And so I thought, you know, we had been discussing this as producers amongst ourselves. We should just find some interesting people to interview. Come on, a podcast with pictures. So, <laughs> podcast of pictures. Yay. <laughs> so I went over to her house. And I have, of course, I have this treasure trove of archival pictures of her. I also got uh, footage of her from Doubt. And she periodically will uh, make school visits. Oh, Marissa cool. Elementary School. She, she's had a, 
ongoing relationship with them. So we followed her there, took a crew and show, show her doing her thing. And I went to her house. We sat in her kitchen, had a couple of cameras, just let it rip. And that will probably be on the air early next year. Oh, cool. So you heard it here first, everybody. That's right. You heard it here first. So we're hoping, and if it works, then we'll do like an irregular series of conversations like that. I love it. Well, thank you, Ruth. We're going to take a quick break. We will be right back with Ruth Azell. Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and I'm the owner of 100th Monkey Media. 100th Monkey Media specializes in affordable and very effective social media solutions for the small to medium-sized business. Our goal is to create a social media presence that shows off who you are, what you do, and delivers brand loyalty and raving fans. Contact us today to learn what 100th Monkey Media can do for you. 636-789-1776 or visit 100thmm.com. That's 636-789-1776 or 100thmm.com. And we are back with Ruth Ezel. So, all right, you... I, I know I won't use the word institution again, but <laughs> but let me Familiar just say face. I mean you know so I mean you are a person that we've all seen in different places and you've shared amazing stories with us and what is it like to be that person in St. Louis? Well, it's a little unsettling only because I like to push other people out front, and if you take a good look at my stories, the only time you see me for the most part is when I'm introducing something. But in my stories, the only time you're going to see me is when it really makes sense. Okay. Um, I don't know if that... No, I get it. I'm you, with you. you I gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just rather let the person kind of tell their own story. I, I like to keep myself out of it unless somebody's showing me something. For instance, I'll give you a good example. You see these microphones we're talking on. Yes. I saw Heil. Bob Heil from... Is he in Collinsville? But anyway, he's... He's in the Metro East, and he makes these awesome microphones. Really? And he is known across the country for these microphones, yeah. And that so is so I did, interesting. Yeah. And I don't even remember how I found out about Bob. But so that's what I like to do. So to get back to my original story, because I digress a lot. <laughs> that's okay. We're all, about, we're all about tangents here, so we're good. <laughs> so Bob, I was, as part of this story, Bob was showing me around his factory, and all he does and his background, and he's a great, org- he plays the organ. He, he just has a really cool story to tell. And it made sense for me to be seen with him. Got ya. Yeah. But if I'm doing a story, say, on a painter who is like exhibiting their work or trying to figure out a way around an issue, I want to just show the process. Right, I don't right. need my nose poking in there, literally saying, ooh, I just don't like that. <laughs> I just like to mic them up, let them rip, let them work and talk at the same time. And it's a formula that's worked so far. And it's fun to get to interview people. I mean, yeah, do, do you is. love that part of it that you just get to find people that you're like, yeah, I'm interested. I want to talk to you. Yeah. And I meet people I never would have met under any of those circumstances. True. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Which that's all part of making life exciting. <laughs> um, every once in a while, though, somebody will tell me no. <laughs> What? <laughs> Who are these crazy people? <laughs> well, I got to tell you, I was really, someone had suggested, and I'm, I won't mention any names, but someone 
who works at a, at a certain aerospace company in town said, you should talk to this woman. He told me your name. And she apparently knew Charles Lindbergh or something. Or, but anyway, she had a connection wow. with, with people who were like pioneers in aviation. Right. And so I thought, yeah, she's kind of up there and everything. And I better, you know, get in contact with her before she dies and document this stuff. Right. And she just had a fit. Why are you calling? She got very defensive. And oh, it's like, no. I'm just calling it the suggestion of someone else. And then I'm thinking, is there something you're trying to hide here? I'm just, I just want to make you look good. But anyway, no so kidding. I just didn't fight it. I said, hey, I'm sorry I bothered you. And, but every <laughs> once in a while, yeah. Because that would, I mean, that that is a part of St. Louis's story, right? It, it I mean, is. that would be it a is. very cool thing to and we document, to do, like you said. Exactly. And we love to do history it. stories, you know, because everything we do is a permanent record. Exactly. So we, we feel a certain responsibility, you know, to... I guess that will not be a permanent record over at Uh, Channel 9, this one. Not this one. So, I, well. And we can't do everything. We can't get around it. No, I know. But, well, it does sound like a good story. But, okay, now everybody (laughs) wants to cooperate with us. So, we will just let them be. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I mean, and and KSDK, you were on KSDK for a long time. I was there for 10 years. You know, and so, and so was it, it was it an interesting switch to go from, the two di- like the two different places. Not really, because before I even got to Channel Five, I had done pretty much everything already. Okay. Um, I started out as a production assistant at a radio station, WJR in Detroit, and WJR is like the KMOX. Okay. Of the gotcha. Great Lakes. Gotcha. Uh, very powerful, seventy-six thousand clear channel watts. Blah blah blah. And it was a station I'd grown up listening to, and I just just by chance found out that they were looking for someone. So I won't go into all that. But I started out in one of the finest newsrooms in the state of Michigan. And I had never even bothered to take a journalism course. I just studied general liberal liberal arts. And it was very interesting to to follow the work worth work ethic of these people. Right. To see them go through the process of deciding what makes a good story. I mean, what I learned from them was equivalent to a Mizzou journalism degree. It really was. Wow. Yeah, I learned my best, some of my best mentors was at that very first job. So I went from there ripping wire copy, and then they let me go out and field produce things. So I would go to news conferences, stuff that wasn't brain surgery. And then I just started enterprising some stories. The first one of which I found in my parents' backyard, literally. Um, there had been, they lived in a historic subdivision in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And tax assessments or, you know, property tax assessments were going out. And they were just through the roof. Because Detroit, you know, for a long time, ever since the decline, of the initial decline of the auto industry, when right. Japan kind of came and took over, Detroit went through a lot of changes. And so they were trying to get as much out of the few people that had money oh, that gosh. they could. Oh, and so the subdivision was in, they were just having fits. And I saw these people going door to door. And fortunately, I had my tape recorder with me. So I ran, I got it, and uh, I did a story that got picked up by everybody else in town. And of course, when there was a, you know, public hearings, I was there. I had the background. I knew who to talk to. So that was one of the stories that I ended up putting on a reel and sending to a local radio station 
that was just transitioning from top 40 to a news talk format. So they needed a lot of people. So I, I just used basically that WGR job to take a stepping stone to the next thing. And then after that, I did a TV news writing job, actually a couple, uh-huh. which took me from Detroit to Chicago. And in Chicago, that was interesting because I think a lot of people think that when you're in TV, you make a ton of money. Well, back in Chicago in the 80s, there were a few select people who were making a lot of money. <laughs> I wrote for $2 million anchors. Now, this is in the 80s now. And there were at least four reporters that I know that I know were making six figures. One of whom was a guy who, and this was just outrageous. He was a feature reporter. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did goofy little features. So he only had he only had two deadlines a week. And each of those stories were only about three minutes long. Right. For that, he got $200,000 a year. I want that job. And it's like, me too. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, all right, why am I making all these people look good? I know how to do everything they can do. The only thing I haven't done is stand in front of a TV camera. How hard can that be? So, and so I, you know, was able with help from people at the station to put together an on-air reel. And I simply used stories that I worked with other reporters on, but then I rewrote my own script because I knew how to write. Right. Right. And uh, so, and it took two years to finally land a job. And I landed an on-air job in Cincinnati, which was a fabulous experience. Um and those are my those were also some of my best mentors. That was the newsroom had some of the coolest, compassionate, dedicated people. I mean, I it was a blessing. It really was. Um, but you know, the, and but the community, I just I kind of felt hemmed in right. by by the culture. So I thought, well, this is great, but I'm going to have to move on. And a friend of mine who had a friend at NBC called her, I mean, because she would be on the lookout for jobs for me. Oh, nice friend. Yeah, so she called me up and said, guess what? They're looking for five reporters at the NBC affiliate in St. Louis. And I was reporter number five to get hired. Yay, lucky for us. Yeah, things work out. Things have been working out. (laughs) Well, we're glad to have you here. (laughs) Oh, thanks. But to circle back around, (laughs) um, as soon as I started doing the honor work, I saw the salary start to come down. Aww. And it was like, no, the gravy train took off without me, unfortunately. Oh, but shoot. I could pay my bills. <laughs> well, th- thank goodness for that part. <laughs> so anyway, for those of you, do not get into this business. I mean, you've got to really enjoy what you're doing. Right. Exactly. Which I think so, you have to do with which anything. Which you have to do with anything. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Don't, don't do anything for the money because you will be... You'll be miserable. Yeah, well. Because first, you probably won't get the money. <laughs> right. And it's it's not as easy as people think to, not, to, oh. to bring any big income. You yeah. know, it yeah. just isn't. It, we, I think we live in the era of what they call multiple streams. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. Monetize all those fabulous things that you have. And there you go. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Ruth. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Mickey Hancock. Now's a good time to get a snack. My mom's going to do another commercial. If you're looking for an agency to help you with creating and publishing engaging content, launching campaigns, or reputation management, 100th Monkey Media is the social media agency for you. Make your business successful with its social media and get a real return from your investment. 100th Monkey Media is far more affordable than you may think, and we make it easy and impactful. 
Learn how 100th Monkey Media can help you on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest, and more. Contact us at 636-789-1776 or visit 100thmm.com. That's 636-789-1776 or visit 100thmm.com. And we are back with Ruth Izell. Okay, question time. Okay. So... Of all these interviews you've done over the years, was there one that you found so surprising that that went in a way that you just didn't even see coming or the person themselves was very surprising? Oh, goodness. And there have been so many people. I'll tell you what. There's this a pianist. um, I haven't talked to him in a long time, Peanut Swalem. Um, He was one of those generations of people who, in in the same generation, kind of like... Quincy Jones, maybe a little older, uh, Quincy Jones, Herbie Hancock, um, and has a voice that will kind of remind you, sort of like a Nat King Cole kind of, that style. And I can't remember where he grew up, but I know he somehow got the opportunity to go out to California. But I think for whatever reason, he may have been afraid of earthquakes or something, but there was some reason he didn't go. And he could have written his ticket because there were a lot of people that knew of his reputation and knew um, what he could have done. And so he stayed in town. He stayed okay. in St. Louis and, you know, has made a comfortable living. I think he's retired now. I haven't seen him out and about lately. But what amazed me was how long we talked and how much I enjoyed it playing it back. The thing I have to admit that I dislike most about doing my job is having to take notes after my interview. Yes. No matter how interesting the interview is. Yes. And Peanuts was the only person that I, that it was a total joy to listen to every word he said. It was oh, like cool. Yeah, and it, and I guess it was just it's just something about him. I love it. So Peanuts. Anyway. It's the peanuts thing. So I happen to know um, that you love musical and theatrical productions. Is there one in particular you just really, really love? Well, I think my favorite all-time musical is probably Gypsy. Because every single, every single tune is a showstopper. Mm -hmm. Which, I'm sorry, you know, my my apologies to all the other greats. But most have like one or maybe two. Maybe two. Yeah. Everyone, I think most people who are familiar with the show can sing to this day. Um, and it's a musical about show business. And I think those are the best ones, like Chorus Line. Right, right. You know, because when people break out in song, there's a reason. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, mean, I used to joke about this. I'd be like, I would like to just go to a store sometime and ask, you know, hey, where's the soap? And someone just break out in song and we exactly. dance down the aisles to find it. I would love my life to be a musical, you know? <laughs> what the heck? Let's see what happens. So in, in all that you've done... What do you feel is the best advice you've ever received or that maybe you just like you intuited or what? what's that nugget? Oh, geez. You know, if, if I had the answer, I would probably <laughs> be on the beach somewhere in a tropical <laughs> island. Um, oh, oh, I knew you'd stump me on something. Oh, I'm so sorry. I don't want to no, stump no, that's you. Okay. Um, but, well, I've been around long enough to have learned a few things. Oh, well, yeah. Think, um, don't, oh, I know, probably the most important thing is don't dwell on what is past that you cannot change. 
Oh, that's very good advice. You know, take take anything that you might view as a failure. Because really, to me, there's no such thing as a failure if you learn from it. There, exactly. You know? If you learn from it, you don't keep repeating the same yeah. mistake over and, and over and over again. again. Right, yeah. right. So that that's probably the, the, the single biggest thing. Um, make sure, I think we should all spend our lives trusting our intuition because there are people that will try to stop you from perfecting it but it is the best sense you can have when an alarm bell when that little red flag goes up there's a reason Listen. there's something deep inside you that's saying this situation's not right this person's not right and act accordingly i could not agree more i i am all about the intuition i think it's a fine sense to have and to continue to work with and learn from i agree and meditate. And meditate. <laughs> I, of course, I don't always follow my own advice. Um, sometimes I can only do it like a couple of times a week. But if you can, if you carve out that time, and I think that will help. And, it, and it, it's a good start to the day. Right. Well, and just getting quiet. It clears you, getting quiet, yeah. clearing your brain, especially if you had bad dreams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a very good time to meditate. <laughs> Let's get rid of this. What yeah. was that? <laughs> I always feel bad when I have a bad dream because I'm always like, oh, I thought that. Oh, why? why? Why did that come out of my head? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know. And so don't we- overanalyze bad dreams. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ruth, I thank you. Thank you so much. I am so honored to uh, to get this time to talk to you today. Well, the I honor just is love all it. mine because you're, you know, we're, we're in the same business here. And, it's uh, fun. And I, I always love to talk to people who know how to do it. <laughs> you do it, girl. Oh, thank you. You're a doll. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Everyone out there, you've been listening to the wonderful and amazing Ruth Ezel. And please do subscribe to us at iTunes, Mishmash, M-I-C-H-M-A-S-H. Have an awesome day. <laughs>